Hello? This is... Well, we're talking about rabbits. Guys, rabbits jump around on the internet. Their ideas, we take them apart. We don't run down the rabbit hole. Sometimes. Today's guest, uh, she's a cultural historian. That's what I call her. She's a writer. She lives in Australia. She works on a press on Telegraph uh, called The Sandwich Press. And she writes for Dragon Common Room with Rachel Fulton Brown, who is a pretty accomplished and kind of a badass professor at the University of Chicago, a traditional Catholic, who writes all about the Holy Theotokos, the Mother Mary, and also is bringing sexy back in the form of enchantment. So we talked today about a whole host of things. Uh, uh, but fundamentally, she takes the Lido meter test toward the end. Stay tuned for that as we get into all kinds of things from the apocalypse to uh, what it means to be traditional to uh, probably the coolest part of the conversation about what it means to earn respect in a new world culture. Check it out on Watar Today Kilts, Al Fan from Australia. Uh, Kilts, so you're back, and I'm yeah. trying to start all of my podcasts now with a toast because it's we got a restaurant, yeah, in the Georgian tradition, and I just got back, and our guests should know about that. It's also yes. a shameless, shameless plug, and I'm actually drinking um, a, a type of cognac that I brought back with me from the Georgian Republic. Oh, nice. So uh, a toast. And let's do this toast to this chasm that opened up between men and women. Mm-hmm. It's closing on certain little portals, little, little corners of the interwebs. I think mm. you guys are doing something to close that terrible chasm that was killing both of us, man and woman. So uh, to the uh, destruction of the chasm and the proper uh, <laughs> the proper reorientation. Uh, and to you coming on the show, Gagi Marjos. That's that's to you the victory in the in Georgian. Gagi Marjos. Gag, Gagi Marjos. That's pretty good. You said it right off the bat. <clears throat> so because I'm a wog. So here's here's where we're gonna we're gonna end because I want to give you the lightometer exam. All right. You're like what? <laughs> it's I thing. didn't study for this. You didn't. It's easy, though. It's five questions. When you're done, you'll be able to place yourself in the context of this conversation we're always having on our on our on our our podcast about old world, new world. We'll find out Mm. how old world you are and how new world you are. Yeah. That's cool. So last time we spoke. I didn't really fully understand, but you were doing a video with us. You're I call you if I when people ask me, I say there's this famous writer with the sandwich press that out of Australia. <laughs> I'm not famous. I don't know. <laughs> Thank I don't God. Know if I agree with that. <laughs> 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 you are fundamentally crazy in a perfect way. I think you guys are doing something amazing. You've started, you've taken to some video now and doing some work with uh, RFB, Rachel Fulton Brown. Yes. So come on. <laughs> the professor. Would you just, in your way, tell us what this is and why you call yourself Drake's? 
and what Dragon Common Room is. Don't worry, I, it's not a pitch. I just want to get it. I want to get into it. But I, okay. I think that's my first question starts with, what the hell are you guys doing over there? <laughs> What's going on in there, Jerry? <laughs> um, the living light of the Godhead. So, uh, so the professor, Rachel Fulton Brown, she started Dragon Common Room because that was her way of setting up an online classroom. And she's, she's kind of pushed medieval uh, monastic culture into the digital space. So she set this place up well for said. everyone to come in, uh, you know, post, share memes, uh, debate each other. And because she's a, you know, she's a fencer, so it's a sal as well. So we've got to salute our opponent and, you know, we, we have uh, we have battles with each other and we share, you know, Christian stuff and uh, we share art that we're working on and all kinds of things. Uh, she called it Drake's because, well, there was a few reasons why she called it the, the Dragon Common Room, but the, it's a, a reference to um, a piece of scripture which... I can't remember the number of now, but it's praise the earth, uh, praise the Lord, all uh, all the earth and and oh, the dragons yeah. from the deep, right? So we've got it on the Dragon Common Room website, but basically the idea is that um, she has wanted to get uh, Westerners plugged back into the Christian imagination in the way that medieval uh, Western Europe was, and um, and so encourage this. Um, kind of uh, reimagining of Christendom as a as a as a monastic exercise, but also as a creative exercise, and to start uh, working on poetry and storytelling again. And so, of course, you know, fairy tales. I mean, everyone loves a dragon, and and that's a big part of the um, the Christian story as well. You know, the dragons are all over the place in the scriptures. So, we've got all of these kinds of elements which are together it, it, but it's her, it's her brainchild we just she collected us like little orphans from the interwebs one <laughs> and brought story us in. being told aren't you telling oh one, yeah one there it's i'm gonna pronounce it wrong alchemist oh lord drake what's the name <laughs> of the story draco alchemicus Dra Dra draco alchemicus yeah so this is our third project uh, we started in 2020 during the COVID lockdowns when everything started to get crazy. Uh, so we did a we did a satirical poem based on Alexander Pope's Dunciad, which is called the Centrism Games. Then we moved from there. We working uh, we did a children's fantasy called Aurora Borealis, which is really beautiful. Um, so if, if anyone's got kids or anyone knows anyone with kids or anyone is still a child at heart, get a copy of Aurora Borealis because it's a beautiful book. But um, our third project was something a little more uh, mature. We wanted to go a bit darker and um, work with a more sophisticated um, themes mm -hmm. than we could with the, with the, other, the other two genres. So we're working now on this five-part epic, which is still fantasy, um, it's still an iambic pentameter, but it's been kind of modeled on the Spenserian, um, uh, fairy queen. And so we've kind of started building an entire universe. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> how does she still have a job? Rachel Fulton This Brown, woman is a machine. I don't know. <laughs> 
because she's a machine. She speaks pretty clearly against sort of the orthodoxy of the universities. Mm. <clears throat> but she's good at her job. She's a good history teacher. So she stays. Oh, she's amazing. And then she's how an did you get teacher. tied in as a writer who joined from Australia? Well, I was like, well, we met kind of through uh, Milo chat because um, I joined Telegram and then, you know, I was on all these different chat rooms. And uh, so we started talking with each other and I started looking at her work because she's been doing stuff for ages and, uh, you know, she's been on unauthorized TV for a long time. She's got her own uh, massive body of work there. She does Tolkien videos and she's done history videos and she's done interviews with everyone, right? So I was I was kind of really excited to find her work because the more I was looking at it, it, it kind of felt familiar in in the sense that I thought she's talking about people that think the way I think. It was just it was, it was kind of a magical experience because um, uh, I hadn't ever looked really um, at, at, you know, who in the West and who in Western academia was... Um, <sighs> still connected to the old world European thinking. So, right, um, right, right. Uh, so I just kept looking at her work and it was just resonating over and over and over and over and over again. We kept, we kept talking and then, you know, just one thing led to another <laughs> and now we're, now we're writing together. Is the room and your press sandwich press and mm. her work, is this, so this is my first question sort of that I formulated. Mm-hmm. Is this something like authentic girl power? Is this something like <laughs> new female? Is this girl power being recast? In, mm. uh, or, or coming out of sort of the mist of whatever we've been in with modern female, uh, modern femininity and the, the whole movement of the 60s to encourage women to be whatever equal is? Is this the new recasting of female power true femininity is that what's happening i mean there's guys involved do you have guy writers oh yeah no? yeah 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 we we we've uh in every single project we've done there have been men that are collaborating with us um excuse me um we did a stream about this so like uh i mean it's quite funny because uh neither of us are feminists but uh, I think a lot of people, uh, they make assumptions. Like we, we, the best way I can describe it is that uh, the professor has a very, very clear understanding of the role of women in the church over the centuries. Um, so we've done a stream about this. It's called Galadriel in Armour, where we talk about Amazon rings of power and the uh, absolute do, destruction of storytelling involved. Can you do six minutes of what is the ring of power for a true woman or something like that? What does power look like? Well, in our kind of conversation about it, it was that uh, what women have seemed to have been doing is uh, wanting to have the kind of liberation that the saints had, female saints, um, the same kind of autonomy and uh independent spiritual path that mm. the, the female saints had only they're doing it without Christ. 
So we were kind of looking at that because, you know, a lot of people are saying women want too much power now over men. They want to have uh, a, basically a matriarchy or if if not that, they need to have this kind of me too attitude towards men where the assumption is that uh, masculinity is inherently toxic, all of this stuff. Well, neither of us believe this at all. Um, which, you know, it's just, it's, uh, it's like human beings are toxic. <laughs> and, and this is like, this is the West without Christendom. It's still using, it's still operating in a framework where they're still, uh, thinking about things like sin or the corrupted nature of mankind. The only difference is they're not talking about it. Like, okay, well, we've been corrupted thanks to the fall of Adam and Eve, our first parents. Right. They'll say, no, there's toxic man right. masculinity right. instead. So it's like, well, that's true, but it's not what you're saying it is. The truth of it is, is that the race of Adam is is toxic. I mean, <laughs> we don't have we don't have clarity on these subjects because mm. people have removed Christ from the equation. So, I mean, uh, in terms of what power is for women, I mean, what was power for the Virgin Mary? Obviously, she's the most powerful woman that ever lived. She's the second Eve. What was power for her was obedience to God. She she was sinless. You can't get more powerful than that. No one is going to be more powerful than Theotokos. She's the only woman walking around in the flesh in heaven. So if you're like, oh, I want to be an empowered female, maybe look at that. I don't know. That's the icon. <laughs> like, there you go. And so, you know, we've got our icon. She's, she's everywhere, uh, you know. Mary is Europe. Oh, so when wow. people are yeah. talking about, you know, this inherent sinfulness of the European man and how he's trashed the earth and all of this kind of stuff, well, I mean, look at the piety. Uh, the European man uh, hailed Mary for over a millennia. So the feminists have a lot of things right, but they're just not thinking um yeah. In a Christian way at all. Yeah, it's weird, right? Because all the arguments is. Of, uh, that are bound in these equality conversations about not just with men and women, but race, they all have this element of truth that 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 if you're not paying close attention to, you you chase like a like a fish in the water at at, at a lure. But oh, they yeah. never they never want to trans transcend or really go layer. They don't want to go layers deep to try to understand the nature of. Mm. Theanthropos, the man as related to God. And then you mm. just get man, man being man and woman. And then you just get obvious conclusions like that guy's a <laughs> dead. I got it. <laughs> I, I correct. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. You're great anthropos. Yes, I am dead and I can do better. But where did it all come from? Where did it all come from? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a kind of redoing. It's it's not feminism, but I have a priest who walked around in Russia. He's a very good friend of mine mm -hmm. recently. Uh, and he was like, one thing that struck me about Russia over and over in Eastern Europe was that the women are seen more like womanly. Yes. And he was trying to put his finger on what the womanliness was. And it was something like being willing, he said this, being willing to be seen by men. 
and he used the word yeah. truly seen like all of me can be seen by you but you don't get to touch but you get to see there was something about that where i think in the west there's a closing down of that femininity that 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 old school femininity no well i mean old world women are crazy well, like russian women are crazy i went to school with a lot of russian women they're like they're intense you know uh the, <laughs> it just activated a memory I haven't tapped into for so long. So we went to this uh, nightclub. It was a private club owned by some Russians. Funny. Anyway, I don't even know how I ended up there. But uh, <clears throat> the men are happy for the women to be insane. They're happy for them to be expressive and feminine and unrestrained and emotional because they carry it. Mm. That's what I find the difference, I mean, between pioneer cultures, you know, the, the Wild West pioneer culture. Um, Australia is like that as well, where the women have had to be tough, stoic. Uh, you know, you're setting up civilization from scratch. People that have... Uh, entered the wilderness to establish the foundations of something like a civilization. I mean, there's no room for uh, the kind of over-the-top dolly girl femininity in those environments. And if it, I mean, I'm trying to think now. I, I'm hearing, Africa I don't know. I'm hearing West Africa in this too. Same thing. Very similar. Very similar. Um, because, I mean, I think, I think it's that that kind of femininity requires infrastructure. That's kind of what I've learned. Explain. Uh, so... The church is a kind of infrastructure in this way. Um, women need the uh, the scaffolding of patriarchy in order to establish themselves as truly feminine. Yeah. And whenever there is a patriarchal collapse, um they lose that ability to be mad in that not not i'm not talking like mentally ill i mean the women now are sick mentally like there's an ssri uh dependency amongst women in western countries that doesn't exist in 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 the old world so it's like Maybe it's just you're coming from a culture where the men are just accustomed and grown up to understand that the girls are going to be insane no matter what. You have to hold them in that madness. Mm. Because if you don't, you'll damage them, which means you're going to damage your children because these ultimately are going to be your wives and mothers and grandmothers and, you know, that kind of stuff. Um 
So I, maybe that's why. I mean, like, he's Russian, he's a priest. Automatically, what do you have there? You've got patriarchy, you've got scaffolding, you've got the institutional infrastructure of uh, a society which values masculine and feminine. Um, you know, but that's it was what they've all, got. Yeah, history always tells us about this yin and, yin and yang. This, hmm. it, was, it was always that. I think this is at the core of what Christ is talking about. I'm neither male nor female. Is that in the proper relationship, the distinctions fade because the roles are played properly. In other mm. words, I think about my wife and I, we are really one in the sense that I know her and she knows me, but I don't, it's it's just like, look, it's just, look, it's just like the incarnation. It's exactly the same thing, which I retain my, my, my masculinity, but I lose almost, I lose my identity in her while retaining somehow in a miraculous way, my masculinity. And she loses her identity in me while retaining somehow her feminine. And together we become one. No, mm. neither male nor female. And I, I really think it's so, Peterson, Jordan Peterson talks about this. It's so odd when I get into a zero-sum game with you that in order for me to be good, you have to serve me. You have to be zero. I have to mm. be one. And it's really that algorith algorithmic thinking. It's that mathematical concept that you know we're all one or we're all zero but we're not going to play a role here you know it just drives me it drives me mad but i found that's why i like talking to you the first time you um i don't know you had insight and then i read a lot about dragon dragon common room and i you know i was gonna pay to go in even then i thought i might get outed like the way i outed you then i'll be like i'm in dragon common room is that good because you know i'm an ortho bro yeah. <laughs> Am I really loud? Well, you did. You outed me. You didn't even know it. I had no idea. So let's talk about that for a second. Okay. You were on the internet writing a lot of interesting stuff as a as a as a genderless, sexless bot. Yeah. What, what, what was that like? Yeah. Did people ask was while you were? back there writing behind the scenes did they ask are you a man or a woman did they care was it pure intellect eight, what was it 80 80 percent of the people thought it was a guy writing because of what you're aggressive what is it what was it i don't get it that's a good question i don't know i mean i i did play it up i mean i didn't tell people i i left it very ambiguous uh, ambiguous purposefully but that was for my own reason but i don't know do i sound like a guy when i'm writing what do you think no well okay in one <laughs> way he, yeah okay this is yeah. this is so pedantic and it's babyish but mm -hmm. you are willing it's like I, you're being taught in somewhere you're <laughs> willing to have a good fight it doesn't bother you and you don't in your writing you don't feel afraid and so if i was reading your stuff yeah now is that what manhood is i don't know on some level yeah so yeah i get that there's an aggression uh-uh there's a willingness to be disturbing <laughs> <laughs> that's the 
best summary I've heard so far. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I am a goth. Um, well, maybe that's it. Look, I'm going to tell maybe. you. I'm going to tell you. No, I'm going to tell you. And I want people on the guys out there, Watar people. I'm just going to tell this person who I really like through the interwebs. You remind me distinctly of an Eastern European woman who will just say to me when I come in, no, this looks, why cut your hair looks terrible. You don't have, no, it's too big. Your brain, your head's no good. And then it's done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that felt aggressive to me. And every Georgian it I know, and every Georgian I know, and Russians too, they're right in your grill. And then somehow it's over. Yeah. And I think you have that. And I don't know that that's male. I just, I think it's old world. Oh, for sure. I mean, like, you know, I grew up wog. It's normal. Wait, you just call people a wog? A mo- a wog? I, I grew up wog. Yeah, you know, wog means something different in England, I, apparently. I, I think it does. Can you educate us? So wog is Catholic Orthodox. Wog is the, the race category that kind of developed here when uh, Australia uh, suspended its white Australia policy and let all the Mediterranean Catholics and Orthodox migrate here. And when they arrived here, they were called wogs. Then they started calling themselves wogs, similar to another racial epithet that uh, gets floated around in the States. Mm. And uh, it basically means that you're, uh, you know, you hail Mary. You're a wog. If you hail Mary, you come from the old world and uh, you're not white. So, yeah, I grew up around those people. And it's like you're... You know, you're angry with someone, you just call them a malaka and then you move on. Like, get over yourself. But I just, I, I don't, I don't know why this is so strange, but it's probably, it's, that's, these are the people I grew up with, you know, this is the way so we are. You know what we're getting into, you know what we're getting into is a little mm. bit what I think you're really good at, um, which is cultural history. I, because you're, you're doing it, the white people concept. I think what we mean is what you write about all the time. We mean British sensibilities, the, yeah. the the first white empire sensibilities, right? Isn't that what we're talking about when we say white people? Yeah, I'm not talking about skin tone. It's the culture. I call them light mm. people. Mm. Inheritors of the Enlightenment, the worst part of it, um, the the atheistic part who set out to take make English culture into something like a spear because mm. it could it could do proper damage and it could also clear the way for what is like light people culture. And I I think you weren't a part of that in Australia. This feels like you weren't a part of that. No, I mean, uh, not at all. My, my, my grandmother, she was... Uh, spending all of her time with fresh off the boats. So it's just been, like, this has been one of just the, like a generational exposure to um, Mediterranean people uh, much more than the Anglophone, mm-hmm. um, Anglo-Celtics. And then, you know, like relative marries uh marries a orthodox or catholic or whatever and then after a while it's just like well are we different now you know yeah. there's a 
we got so many um uh, so many unions and after a while you start counting and you just think hold on the tribe starts to look a bit different <laughs> you know what That's i mean right. like so um no i'm i'm not opposed to pale people that that would be ridiculous agreed uh the this is another form of sickness it's another form of uh, abandoning Christianity to have this kind of sickness, either a hatred of darker, darker skinned or lighter skinned people. It's just sickness. Well, the apostles didn't have this mentality. I know you said something so cool. Uh, one of your posts that I picked up and sent it back to, which was maybe you can rephrase it, but I, hmm. it's that in America, in the crucible of enslaved America, there was this idea that, this new ethnic group was born Africans in America, African oh, yeah, Americans. Yeah. 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 And that, that became a real identity, like obviously, but that identity somehow takes a backseat to the identity of people who forge a new person within a church, like through baptism. Mm-hmm. What did you say? Just tell us like, <laughs> good. I know you can, maybe I said, word, but I have it. I'll pull it up. I mean, uh, it was something like white people think that uh, ethnic identity can be created on plantations, but not in a liturgy. Mm-hmm. Like if I say white, you know, everyone gets triggered by it. I'm not talking about all light skinned people. I'm talking about whites like an Australian would have talked about whites compared to the wogs that were running around here. Cause the other thing too is I noticed especially with my grandmother, there was a real sense of being with people that still had their soul attached. She instantly recognized that. Like she was a very warm person, you know. Um, and she, she helped them set up when they got here. And so like that was the kind of people that she wanted to be around. You know, people still had their soul attached. But then, of course, you talk to them and you think, like, why are you different? Because there's no physiological difference. I mean, if I didn't tell you, John, that I wasn't ethnically Greek, would you know? No. You know? You wouldn't know. If I if I said I'm not ethnically Italian, no one would know. Like, it's... So it's not a skin tone thing, it's a soul thing, which is then a complicated discussion because you think, okay, what happened? You know, like I said to you last time, I I thought about it a lot. What happened? What happened to the people that lost their soul versus these people that are yelling in the streets? Like I always used to call them wild children of Zeus, but they have no inhibition. And that's, I think, why people find me quite aggressive because I've been around people that are not inhibited. They yell at each other. Like traffic conditions in a Greek neighborhood, it's like Thailand, you know, you're screaming at everyone, like, get off the road. Mm-hmm. We're not holding in. And yet there's love. That's what I love. Like, that. that's the thing. These loud old world cultures, which, like, are so furious in one minute and then absolutely warm and loving in the next. Versus cultures which have kind of developed around what I think is an improper improper um, politeness. I think it's improper. 
but goodness. you know that's just my that's my preference. I don't know what you think. I mean, you spend a lot of time in Georgia. How do you find people in Georgia? Oh my gosh! So here's the joke: as these ten Americans get driven around by my Georgian friends, mm. that this is the joke: are we going to be able to leave right away, or are those guys going to fight again? <laughs> yes. Because essentially, <laughs> every 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 time we pull away from our last stop. We're going to go down 90. We're going down 90, 95. That's really what you're going to do. 95 is stupid. You're stupid. And it's like, I'm going down. And then the, it, it's screaming. And then all of a sudden, everyone hops in their car. And then we're going down 95. And all us in the, who have paid to go on this trip are like, these guys are going to fight. And they're not going to fight. <laughs> <laughs> they're not even close to fighting. Yeah, yeah I'm with you. Okay, yeah. but identify with me maybe through your cultural your, your your cultural awareness of history. The other thing, I call it Midwestern culture in America, which you may or may not be familiar with, but that's the that's the immigrants from Germany and Switzerland, uh, Sweden essentially, mm -hmm. who came and landed in the middle of America, which was the frontier in the you know early eighteen hundreds, and yeah, did yeah. really well on farms, but they developed a politeness that mm. i never felt comfortable with growing up even though i lived there in wisconsin mm. years at a time i think it's that thing you're talking about which is everything's fine nice to see you i can't wait and then secretly i can't wait for you to leave because you're really just really annoying to me but everything is a smile and and it's yeah it's false or it's cowardly am i being too harsh I don't know if it's cowardly. It's different. What is I don't it? know. What's being preserved? What's being conserved? I guess something like um, peace or um, um, a sense of um, propriety. Because it's definitely like that. My my first my first thought is what kind of opponents did they have culturally? Like to develop that kind of. Yeah. Well, those okay. So we we talk about we talk about the Germans in DCR because they're the vanished ethnicity of 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 North America. Mm. So you've got tons of Germans there. We don't have a lot of Germans in Australia. I don't tons know about of the, Germans. Tons. Tons America of Germans, right? German essentially. It's Most it's Deutschland 2.0 basically, but you don't speak Deutscher. So um, all the Germans arrive. And then they're just like hyper assimilationists to the point where they've vanished completely from the face of the earth. No one even no you know no no one can find them. Um, well, why is that? They wanted to assimilate into Anglo, the Anglo culture because there was a bit of a tension between the Anglo's and the Germans. Um, but for me, I kind of look at that. I think, okay, who were your cultural opponents? Because all the old world people. I suppose in this sense, from, you know, the, the way I think about it, Catholic and Orthodox Europe, I mean, they had, uh, they had religious wars. They were, you know, under Ottoman occupation. They had to fight against Moorish people. They had to, you know, so there was like this real sense of um, we're going to battle it out against people that are going to fundamentally annihilate our religious expression. Yeah, Therefore, I think maybe 
it kind of eliminates a lot of bullshit. Like you just, you go, okay, what are we actually doing right now? We're establishing ourselves and our right to exist to be able to worship Christ and hail his mother. Okay, so does the fact I'm a little, like, grumpy today matter? No, not really. You know, then that kind of snowballs. Maybe. I don't know. No, no. I think you're on. Then you've got Midwest, like they're wagon people. I mean, did they have to fight anyone? Because from what I've been told, Americans, Native Americans. Yeah, but from what I've been told, it was like rednecks. (laughs) Rednecks did most of the fighting. So, like, correct me if I'm wrong, though, because I don't know. But um, well, you you get a who did they fight? The well, the settlers at that part, Ohio River Valley, and then heading up Wisconsin, Michigan. Those settlers, first of all fought native americans but they fought the french they fought the marys yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) croissant kings yeah that's right (laughs) (laughs) croissant kings freaking french we're going back for a second because i think you're onto something and i don't know this is true but we're working with it you know the assimilation happens so the turks and the greeks of course Mm. there's assimilation course i understand yeah but there was an existential conversation there uh, an existential yes. battle about it, it wasn't going to be ortho islam okay it was either going to be orthodoxy or islam and yes it was a black or white and i don't feel the greeks ever gave gave they they, they paid a price but they didn't give up the orthodoxy so in a yes. secular culture though now that's what america is at its core in a secular culture you have a third option which makes both sides happy but it also denudes, oh, yeah. it denudes what you talk about, the loud voice. Because you can yes. keep your stuff, but if your la- voice is too loud, you're going to lose your, uh, your, your place in society. And the secular option, I think, gives... It gave Germans and Poles and, 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 and who else was out there? The Swedes. It gave them all a place to land where they could be, quote, at peace. But the kind of peace yes. that we look at a dead body and call that peace, maybe like that? Is that too harsh? I I like something like that. Working it out. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Which becomes the market, which becomes, in other words, the culture, it no, it leaves the religious sphere and it ends, it enters the marketplace. And then we're judged according to how well we do in the marketplace, which is becomes its own culture, which becomes what we're talking about today, which is globalization and the idea that where there's a lot of positive trade there's also positive culture but we know you and i that there's no culture there whatsoever there's actually nothing there vending machine go talk about the vending machine because the that's, vending machine that's what i'm trying to describe i think the vending machine is collapsing john so good that i posted something on my channel i forget who it is i saw some italian guy in america who just said that he was latino and everyone's losing their minds <laughs> <laughs> Because he calls he's literally himself. Latin and he said he's Latino. And it's like, this is how brittle you guys are on race. My God. Oh, we are brittle. So girl. crazy. It's so crazy. Yeah. It, so it the, really is crazy. He's getting it. it really he's getting crazy. it. I mean, Italians. Wow. What a problem there. Ugh. Can we talk for a second about their prime minister? You see her speech? I think I pulled oh, it off yeah. your channel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Georgia Maloney. Well, you know, everyone's like, she's another globalist. She's not going to do anything, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, 
I, I think about Italy differently. Italy's a third world country with a, a first world northern economic centre, mm. which gives it the veneer of being first world. But actually it's not. It's a third world country. The best of Italy is really third world. It's Africa. And people there don't really pay attention to the government that much. The government doesn't run it. People run it. Mafia run it. Yeah, yeah. That good or bad, whatever. It's not my country to regulate. I can't make those decisions. But whatever is going on in the north of Italy isn't a reflection of what's going on in the south. And it's not a reflection of, uh, you know, one woman uh, and her ability to kind of reform one of the most corrupt peninsulas in the existence of human civilization. Like, the fact she's saying what she's saying out loud is more of a reflection of Italians behind closed doors and how mad they are at what's going on in Italy. Mm. So I saw it. I was like, she could be, like, literally in bed with Klaus Schwab next week and it wouldn't matter because it means that the uh, the people on the soil, the Terroni, the real, like, the roots people, the folk people, they're not having it. They want their country. Yeah. So I see it as a very positive thing. Um, but, uh, you know, Italians in America, they uh, they assimilated as well. So... Uh, when you know when when I have a conversation about the vending machine and what it's done to all of these different ethnic groups, uh, which I did, um, you know that didn't happen in Australia. The Italians didn't get to Australia and and kind of think, okay, we're white people now. They just haven't. They're still they're wogs. Um, they are. They're, they're wogs. Still, yeah. They they're still the swarthy people, the swarthy hail mary people. Yep. Yep, they still hail Mary, uh, even if they haven't set foot in a church for four years. You ask them about, you know, something, and it's, you know, don't talk about the whatever it is, you know, uh, religion. That's for that's for church. That's still sacred, even if they don't access it uh, very regularly. The, the yeah, Georgians went through this. The Georgians hmm. went through this with the fall of communism they had to decide what they were going to do there's an existential battle there too uh mm. the, the russians aren't helping right now fyi I, uh, <laughs> if, if any of your dragon common room folks are finding any sort of salvation in russia be careful because it's not cool i i see it on our side with a lot of good orthodox folks ah uh, yeah don't take that bait uh that's a that's a corrupted secularized orthodoxy that Putin's rolling out, in my humble opinion. Uh, although I love Russians because they'll they'll fight you, but uh, mm. the Georgians are oh, getting yeah, they squashed. Will. They're getting squashed. And I love that place so much. And I, I watch them battle mm. between, are we going to adopt the West? Are we going to go all in with NATO? Are we going to figure out ourselves according to the Western model? Or are we going to stay or go into the Russian sphere? Now, mm -hmm. what, what they had for about 10 years was a moment of return to the church. You mm. could see the churches fill up and the patriarch became the hero. But right now the patriarch is ill. There's questions about um, the, the church vis-a-vis this whole Orthodox Kirill conversation about who's going to stand up to Kirill and should they stand up to the patriarch of Russia? 
as Orthodox people. It's very confusing. And I'm mm -hmm. telling you, they could lose a lot of a lot of their soul in what's coming. So many Russians in Georgia right now. I don't know if anybody knows that, but there's there's thousands and thousands of young men there right now. All hiding. Soldiers. Or they're dodging they're the draft. They're hiding. Yeah, they're folks who mm. are trying to avoid conscription. Yeah. Well, I don't know. That's a, that's a, I'm going off the rails there. But except to say, I think what you're seeing right now is what you're seeing, you were seeing in 1913, 14, and 15. You're starting to see a conversation about, so that was a conversation about modernity and power. Everyone mm. saw modernity coming and they started to decide who to get with in order to get the next iteration of modernity. And they all had this conversation about who would protect whom. And I see the question now happening all around the world about is modernity w worth betting on? And if it is, who's going to be my ally? And if it isn't, who's going to be my ally? And I saw this woman in Italy say, I don't think I'm taking the, the NATO bet. I don't know. What do you think? You think she's just speaking on behalf of her, her, her peasantry? I mean, Italians it all the time. It's, it's, it's not just that though. I, th I think a healthy relationship with politicians is where the people are so inflexible that they force the worst people amongst them mm. to at least tell the truth half of the time. That's probably the best solution you could get in terms of a country like Italy. And, I mean, they've got a massive problem there, like huge youth unemployment problem. They're infertile. I mean, crazy. Like, oh, my God. My, my grandmother's friends, they came from families of, like, 14 children, big Italian families. These people are not having children. It's a heartbreaking thing to watch, too. You know, when you really love cultures, like... When you really love a culture, you don't want it destroyed by mass-forced immigration, weaponized immigration. You don't want it destroyed by infertility. You don't want it destroyed by, um, you know, a kind of uh, globalized economic model, which means that everybody gets their basic wages outsourced to, you know, poorer regions and whatever. So it's like we're all against globalism if we actually love culture. Um, but, uh, they got, they got huge problems. And then there's the other, there's the other issue with, I mean, people in my generation in that country is that, you know, there's a kind of embarrassment about, well, do we return to kind of traditional Catholic understanding of things? Or are we going to follow with the, uh, Americano, Coca-Cola, or are we going to allow a more Americanized version of what it means to be industrial to influence everything. And it's challenging because uh, to like in that kind of country to maintain your roots. And I've got friends which are doing this. They move into their ancestral homelands and then they're clinging to folk culture, but it's a battle to do it because they make enormous sacrifices. Um, and then 
you know, talking to them about what happens, well, all of the southern Italians are constantly having to move up to the north to go and work in the factories. So, that, you know, they've got their own internal vending machine. It's kind of like this fractal process of um, industrializing empires and what they do to these traditional folk cultures all over the world. So uh, I don't know what the answer is. I mean... I don't think there's for, an answer. I don't think there's a force that no. stops that. I, I think, I think what the Saint Paisio said, uh, Greek saint, died in the early '90s. But basically, there's going to be a rush towards something that looks traditional. I think it's happening right now. I think mm. you and I are maybe examples of it. And the rush is into whatever it is, traditional Hinduism, traditional whatever. And then the forces that be, whatever those are, I don't know, call them whatever you want. I'll sound like a conspiracy theorist. They basically, they get to the real persecution. And then those places that filled up empty out really fast of the people who were looking for something like political salvation because mm. they, don't, they don't want the martyrdom. And he says, at that point, you see the churches empty out except for the few martyrs and they become they seed the ground for uh the renewal and maybe even you know christ return something like that so hmm how about that is it that dire i think it might be who knows i just went to a it great conference be. a ump conference uh uncut mountain press oh yeah i have to tell you and i'm telling everybody who's listening there was so much depth in that place it was not a political roadshow it was not uh nice. it was not an attempt to to bitch there was almost zero bitching i'm serious oh my. <laughs> the whole thing was what is the orthodox ethos and i'm telling you what it what it was it was quiet prayer over and over again yeah. the thing just kept it just kept defaulting there's a seven and a half hour vigil on Saturday night, which I'd like to say is too long. I would just like to say that right now. Because when you stand for seven and a half hours, you, it, you're done. And it was fascinating. But it all defaulted to this beauty that was a type of quiet, non-judgmental hope. Hmm. It was beautiful. I'm telling you, that, that's the answer. That's the beauty. But nobody wants that. Seven and a half hour visual, you want that? Who's doing that? You do that? You guys do that? Yeah. Yeah, Night Monastics. of the Apocalypse, of course, yeah. of course. Um, yeah, I actually had a good conversation with a Coptic friend of mine, and I was talking to her about the situation down here. She said, why are you Australians so miserable? She said, you have everything here. I said, yeah, they're really sad. But they don't understand the historical things that have gone on here, you know. So I was kind of talking to her about it. And I said that... <clears throat> Religion has been bleached out of public conversation in the West. People here, even more than in America, are embarrassed to talk about God in public. She said, yeah, there's no martyrs. I said, yep, there's not a single native martyr in this country. So we're kind of reflecting on what that means. Not that either of us were volunteering to be the first one, <laughs> but it's that... What is the kind of message there? The culture has never had anyone die for anything more than the protection of an economic system. You know, it's like, it's kind of heavy, you know? Kind of heavy. 
kind of heavy. Yeah, I mean, it's... and I say, mm. I say this with warriors in my family who went to world wars for the empire, but, uh, you know, I have to be honest about what that was as, at the same time, you know, like honouring what they did, but still. Uh, it was not the same as uh, the Polacks the rushing at the Ottoman invasion. I mean, it's just like a different a different category of warfare than, than saving the existence of a Christendom, for example. So, um, yeah, we don't have that as a conversation here. And then even to have a basic free and... Uh, joyful conversation about religion it's kind of it's almost impossible in this continent uh there's a there's a real um uh, there's a real deep shame around it let's talk about god in public life so big shame um bigger than talking about whether you got the uh, vaccination <laughs> same why do you have to give me trick questions my god but there's probably something similar in that if you say, well, yeah. I, was, I was praying the other night and I skipped my vaccination booster. Are you in trouble in Australia? Oh, yeah. Interesting. That's why it was good to have lockdown. Because I got to meet all the other people that weren't having it. Uh, by the way, that makes sense. Mm. That makes sense. They came out. I mean, you couldn't help. They had to... They. You had yep. to find the community, yeah, that you can make sense of, yeah. Yeah, it was really wonderful. You make new friends, Kilt? Yeah. <laughs> I made some great friends. Uh, weird people, like, and kind of, uh, you know. I mean, it's wild. You, I don't even know how to begin to describe what it was like down here, John. Listen, I know that. Man. I I want to talk about that, but I know that you, you don't, you can't sit here forever because you told me that you might have another engagement. Oh yeah, you've got ten minutes and then I go run. <laughs> right. I want to, I want to shift gears just a little. All right. Um, uh, I want to see. I I don't know about you. You seem like an interesting person, but there's this test that we've perfected. It's very scientific. When I give this test to you, you will learn the truth about existence. It's that scientific. Okay. You know, You've perfected empiricism. I have. I've, I've perfected this. And now I'm going to show you to the world as per your um, bona fides from the old world. Like, are you old world okay. or not? Okay, here's All what right. I'm going to do. All because right. I, I know that both of us like to go old world. And then basically we, you know, I also have television and i really want to watch the mets get beat but you know i'm that guy right yeah. i'm like that that jackass but i would fight i i like to say that i would die for the right stuff but we'll see I, you know i should watch out what i say in public but check this out this test has been perfected and it's going to test whether or not you're old world or new world so i'm going to ask you five questions you ready shoot yeah I've asked Let's a lot of people it. this. Jonathan Pajot, we did a lot of people. We did the guy who just did Shantaram. You know that movie that's coming out about the Australian that runs the way to India? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Free medicine. He came guy. on, uh, Gregory David Roberts, and he took this Amazing. Test. Yeah. Amazing. It's a good story, you know. Yeah, he's a legend. 
we use it we use that book and he he came on and talked to our guys he's wonderful uh he's nutty but he's wonderful he's now a reggae artist but he took this and I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you where he came out too so here's the test all right let's go um five questions all you got to do is put a number down i, I got a pen because i know it's you know you got a lot there on your mind you probably can't keep up with these these this is very mathematic and scientific so here we go yeah uh each one of these gets a number, and here's your first question that determines cool, cool. where you are in the history of the old and new world. When I die, when you die, um, uh, you won't really die like all the way. It's more like you'll be asleep waiting for some kind of next world, right? Nap time. Some, some kind of thing that's coming. Is that yeah. three, like, oh, hell yeah, I fully believe that. Two, that's probably true. Or one, that's probably not true. Or zero, oh, hell no, that's stupid. Four. Four. Okay, so we'll it, give it, you a three because you're trying it's to break happening. the test. Okay, three. <laughs> Something's happening to you. Okay, here's your second question on the Lido meter. Just how much of an enlightened person are you? The best All way right. to get to know you kills you. The best way to get to know you is to ask someone else about you, not yourself. In other words, or put it another way, the best way to get to know me is to ask someone else about me. Three, hell yeah. Two, probably. One, probably not. Zero, oh hell no, that's dumb. Um, probably one. One. Mm. Here's your third question on the way to infamy. Or, I don't know, maybe not. When I carry a picture, or when you carry a picture of your friend or your parent or whatever, and let's say you carry it in your purse or your wallet, you're actually yeah. carrying that person around with you. Like they're there. They're actually in some way close to you. Yeah. Three being, oh, hell yeah. Two, <laughs> probably. One, probably not. Zero is that's dumb. I'll do 2.5. Oh, you're going to throw a 0.5 in there. We'll let that happen. That's a lot. Yeah. Here's a, the fourth question, five total. Respect right. is not earned. It is owed by you to others. Three, two, one, zero. Respect is not I earned. don't like that question. No, that's but that's part of the test. That's This is why it's a great test. It's like that test they did at Stanford when they were like, when they were when they were electrocuting people it's a good test <laughs> respect, respect is not earned, is not earned. owed by you to others mm. play the music andrew mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> no because it's a conditional it's a conditional answer i know you're gonna have some fancy dragon common room answer i know <sighs> Yeah, because where, where are they on the hierarchy? What have respect, they done? Respect is not earned. It's owed. No, I'm going to say zero. It's zero. Earned. Okay, look yeah, at that. Yeah, it's earned. Respect is earned. I love it. Okay, this is your Courtesy is question. free. Courtesy, Courtesy is free. not respect. Okay. Respect is absolutely the most valuable thing on earth. Oh, I love it. Listen to you. Uh, final question. I can't wait to live with my parents in one big house when they get really old or if you don't like that is is if you're a parent which you i don't know if you're a parent but 
I can't wait to live with my kids when I get really old. So three, two, zero, one, zero, three, hell yeah, zero, hell no. Oh yeah, we build skyscrapers. We just stack generations on generations. Oh god, that it is stacks good. on stacks. <laughs> so your answer? <laughs> yeah, apartment building. Yep. No, I can't wait to live with my parents in one big house when <sighs> they get really old. Slash, I can't wait to live with my kids when I get really old. Three, hell yeah. Three, Two, yeah, three. One zero, three. Mm, three. Okay, now here's what's gonna happen. Congratulations, you finished. I'm calculating your score. Play the music, Andrew. <sighs> so three, uh, four, five, six point five, nine point five. Here is the scoring chart. If you scored a zero, you win the Francis Bacon Award. You think <laughs> old world thinking has the same appeal to you as placing leeches on an open sore. But you did not score a zero. Did you score one to three? If you did, you would have been the high nooner. The bright light of the new world hovers at high noon for you, kilts. But it doesn't. Just right there, it's shining down on you. You are truly in love with manuals and all things scientific. But that's not you. If you scored a four to six on this, between a four, five, or six, you would have uh -huh. been the shining city dweller on the hill. You came close. You have hope for the modern world because you trust science and you love Reddit. Okay, and number, if you know what that is, I don't know if you know what that is. Seven to 11, this is you. Are you ready? Oh. Uh, seven, eight, nine, or ten. Sorry, you are the suburban. You feel romantic about the old world, but hierarchy is a word that you'd rather read about in a book. <gasps> it feels like you should want to obey your elders a lot more than you actually do. The individual is not more <laughs> important than the group. The individual is not more important than the group to you, except, well, sometimes you feel more important than lots of dumb souls out there. So there's always that. You are not yeah. a villager. You are not winning at 15 the Charlemagne Award. That's when you're full retro. And that's, okay. you are not that. So you are a suburbanite. I was too. I scored, <gasps> I scored a nine. My sister scored a 14, the highest score of anyone who's ever taken Oh, really? It. Yeah. Watch out for her. Okay. She's and, impaling. And my friend Seth, who comes on the show, who is a true New Worlder, scored... Actually, he scored uh, not bad. I think he scored a little lower than us. I wanted you to take that test because I think it's a challenge to try to think mm. about who we really are and what we say we are because it's pretty hard to be anything but we, but what our culture says we are, you know, in a lot of ways. And by the way, the test could be a total disaster, which it probably is. Someone made me do this test. No, I'm glad. I'm glad you did. Uh, no, the, the, res the respecting the hierarchy thing. I th think that's got a big, a big uh, part of like what kind of hierarchy we're talking about. Because we don't really have familiar hierarchies anymore. I mean, when you say like hierarchy. In a different situation, are we talking about corporate or are we talking about social right. or, are we, right. you know, like it's it's conditional. So well, let me ask you, well, I'm comfortable with that. I'll and, stay in the bibs. Well, I think the one that brought your score a little down 
away from old world and toward new world was your conversation about respect. Yes. I just go back again. A lot of this is based on my experiences in Africa, but this older brother, younger brother, older sister, younger sister thing is crazy, man. That it's crazy. At least it was, mm -hmm. it, it's fading now. But like, if you're just two years younger and you said, you sit down and your brother's sitting there and he says, go get me some water. You just go. Mm. You just go. And then you come back, give him the water. And then you sit down until someone else tells you to do something. What I'm talking about is a deep, profound obedience. We mm. obey, but we first rationalize the obedience. And I think that's what you're getting at there yeah. when you're like, no, wait a minute. I, you got I to gotta earn my respect. I feel that's very new world, for better or worse. Yeah, it's also a part of being in a multicultural kind of system. I get that. Because we're still tussling for uh, territory all the time. Oh, this is interesting. So across cultures, maybe the hierarchies don't hold. They don't hold, no. Yeah. It's shifting like this. So if you're in Africa in that situation, because I know what you're talking about, uh, it's just age... Uh, yes. You know, if you're a parent, you are an adult. Yeah. If no matter what age that starts, if you're a grandmother, the ground you walk on is holy. Like 100%, just. Hundred percent. I know what you mean. It's like a profound kind of uh, respect there, but that's internal to a particular kind of social system. What happens, I think, with us is I'm looking at another kind of culture and thinking, okay, I don't know your rules. I don't know. I don't know your hierarchy. It's not like looking uh, intra-tribally at your own people and you kind of understand how things work. Maybe that's what my problem with it is. But I think you're actually de describing the mark of someone who lives in the new world and who's been sure. raised by it. Um, mm. it, the thing got broken down. So by definition, you imbibe some of these values. Like, in other mm. words, I imbibe the values of the new world, yet I'm doing an analytical thing about how great it would be to live in the old world. That's a weird thing for like a little villager in Kailan where we work. He's not, he can't jump yeah. around intellectually and see the, the different hierarchies. Not because he's dumb. Yeah. No, no. He, he's just, he's not. He's rooted. What's that? He's rooted. He's rooted. Yeah. But the rootedness yeah. creates a meekness that I'm going to be honest with you. When I took the test, I don't, I don't like that. I rebel against that meekness for better or worse. And I think that's what Christ is talking about. The meek will inherit the earth. He's not talking about someone who has meek thoughts when he reads the Bible and then goes off and he's a lawyer mm. at wall street. He's talking about someone who literally can't do almost anything else, but be meek. It's like in Shantaram with, uh, what's his name, Prabhu. He just mm. gets down and you walk on his back so that you can not be in the mud. But he's in the mud. You're like, whoa, mm. wait a minute. That's a whole kind of meekness that I don't think we understand in the West, in the New World. I don't think we get it. Well, I don't think we like it. In DCR, we have this we have this conversation a lot about like landed people and also maritime people, maritime culture and how that's different. So, 
if you're shifting between hierarchies, shifting between all these cultures, you're in a maritime environment where you can't, by definition, be rooted. You because you have to negotiate with all of these different hierarchies constantly because you're moving. That's the kind of Phoenician outlook. It's like you're on the waves, so you have to be able to fluidly move between all of these different city states. You have to, you know, which is again like it's like okay, every city state is an individual little hierarchy, right, with its own rules and its own uh, internal politics and its own dialect and its own, uh, you know, even um, spiritual outlook or whatever. So if you're moving like this. You're on the sea. It's a, like a, like we we always talk about it in DCR is we're pirates because in in the new world pirates uh that pirate culture that Elizabethan pirate culture it's like moving landed people which the British were into the waves and then pushing them throughout the world and then having to constantly do this. So that is brilliant. Is the difference? Mm. Yes. The yes. We landed become... versus maritime changes you. It change the the ocean changes you. But but also yeah. there's there's an allegorical understanding that because my mind can go places that I become principled in the way a maritime culture would be principled because my mind is not rooted. In other words, yes. I become maritime in my thinking, not just because I got on a boat or anything. Yeah. It's the very nature of my thinking is that way. Whoa, whoa. I get that. Yeah. That's brilliant. Hmm. Yeah. Another reason now, Dragon Kong room. Now imagine what the internet does in terms of the effect of. Oh my uh, gosh, it's like a yeah. nuclear explosion. Yep. But everyone's all, being drawn into that. Yep. We're all on the high seas now. That's this, uh, that's this like global panic over COVID, you know? It's like all of a sudden there's a pandemic and we're hearing about, you know, a little flu infection in a village in India, whereas 100 years ago, you'd never hear about it. Yeah. You could have an entire plague in India and no one in Spain would have even heard about it until possibly, you know, someone had, like, travelled with the news of this, oh, there was this plague in India. But we're in this huge structure of electricity and it functions like the ocean. And now it's like, okay, everything that happens in one spot instantly goes in the other spot. So... Yeah, like for DCR, we take a lot of uh, inspiration from Marshall McLuhan's work mm. on on the the effect of media and what it does to the human psyche. But um, I mean, Christ called fishermen. He called he called maritime people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. To say that it's wrong is not necessarily correct. I like that. I think, it's not yeah. a wrong. No. Maybe it's a necessary yin and yang. Maybe it's a necessary light to a dark. Maybe, maybe, maybe it has to be that way. Maybe, maybe it, that's how salvation comes. Maybe that's how we all figure it out in the end. Is because there's a, these two types of people. I just think again about men and women. I can only find my salvation. <laughs> I can only find it in the in the other. Maybe I don't know. These are deep. That's a really nice way to maybe tackle the end of that. Um, Pirates. Yeah, let's go into that next time. Thanks for taking yeah. my test. Thank you for testing me.
Yeah. Throwing me in the suburbs. Yeah, you're in the suburbs. I always think if you weren't in the suburbs and you lived in Australia, man, what are you doing? Like, you must be an Aborigine that just came in for a, a video chat. Like, <laughs> like first time on television or something. I don't know. Forgive me if I said something wrong. Right? Am I in trouble? Did I say Aborigine and something wrong? No, it's fine. Okay. No, go for it. It's it. That's that. That's a different conversation. All right. Next time. We uh, uh, we, are you we going have off a... to do some like important stuff? Are you going to an important meeting to give a speech or something? I got to go and chase some kangaroos around a paddock now. Nice. I love it. You did an Australian <laughs> joke. I did. <laughs> All right. I'll but yeah, to be I'll... continued. To be continued. I, I hope so. I mean that. Um, we We like your aggressive writing slash funness. You're fun. I hate that word, but I used it. <laughs> Uh, because you'll come back and we'll keep talking next time. Maybe we'll, um, we'll pull up a book. I would like, I'm going to send you my book and then yeah, please do get there. Will it get to Australia? Well, should I even bother? Yeah. Yeah. They opened up the, the great wall now. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to send it to you. I'm going to send it to you. Cause I think as a that would be amazing. Quote, creative person, I think, I think hopefully it lands with you and then we can talk about it. Or you send me your stuff. Well, I see your stuff all the time. So keep going. We love you. Uh, we'll consider you a friend of the show. And maybe what we'll do is we'll have um, the professor come on one of these days. That'd be cool. Oh, yes. I would like that. I would like that. Yeah. Okay, sister. I'll see you later. I'll check out. Thanks, bro. Thanks for coming on. Say hi to our friend Richard, the editor of Gab. <laughs> An editor of Gab, I should say. <laughs> see you later. Peace ciao, too. ciao. Yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Kilts. Guys, uh, I do think this person, Kilts, uh, you will not see the last of her. She is an active thinker with some deep, deep, deep um, intellectual roots. And also, she's, she's fun. So thanks for coming on. Uh, we'll get her back on down in the future. She started becoming a recurring guest, not unlike uh, father, father, uncle, Seth. Look for him coming up. Uh, support us. First Things Foundation. We're in a drive. We're not in a drive. Are we in a drive like a Jerry Lewis telethon thing? Two minutes with Molly's coming up, and she's going to talk to you guys. That's a segment we've got coming up for you soon, if you haven't already seen it. Uh, but we're in a drive to move toward funding for 2023. We can't wait to fund ourselves, and we hope you will help us. When you donate to us on a monthly basis, you get access to our class this fall that'll take place at our restaurant. If you're in Greenville, come on in and join the crew. We'll talk more about that soon. Uh, if you're not in Greenville, donate monthly or quarterly or annually, and guess what happens? You get access to our class. The class this year, get ready. I'm going to send an email soon. The class this year will be called The History of Love. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, I'm, it's a remake of a course I used to teach, but with all the 2022 bells and whistles. So we'll do a lot of cool reading. And we'll look at the nature of love, sort of the three natures of love and how they are found in history, especially in the institution of marriage. 
how they look over time. I hope you'll join for the History of Love. That'll be starting in the middle of November. We'll shoot right through the holidays and right into February. And when we do it, we'll do it on the weeknights. And we all jump on and we have a conversation after a number of interludes with history. So that's on the website. You can find it coming up. And uh, I'll send an email to all you recurring donors and you'll have access to the portal. There's more to say. Stay with us at First Things. We love you It's a good crew. Thank you for being part of our little corner of the world. Peace. <laughs>